0: And welcome back to Talking to Talmud. I'm Anne Gordon here with my friend Ankhavuta, Yerdana Azband, our DAF of the day, Masachet Moed Katan, DAF Kaf Aleph, page 21. Before we get into the DAF, I think we have some Siyum announcement. Yerdana?
1: Yes, so God willing, our Siyum on, uh, well, we actually have two Siyum announcements. So the first one is, is that Moed Katan will God willing be on February 13th, our regular times, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. in Israel, uh, we will be hearing from my brother, hopefully, Dr. Machal Azban, about uh, some of the, you know, sort of what day-to-day life was like in the times of the Mishnah and how that informs some of the content uh, in Moed Katan. And then we will be having our Chagiga Siam, I think we already decided, on March 6th, uh, which is really just three weeks afterwards. And that will sort of be wrapping up our entire study of seder moed which is very exciting um so please join us let us know if you want to share a reflection particularly for the Chagiga one it could be any reflection about all of seder moed but we'll be sending out some more information about that registration is available on facebook and our whatsapp group or just send us an email and we look forward to seeing you all there
0: and i look here forward to hearing your torah for change okay um okay I'm going to start here. on the. I'm on Ahmed Aleph, and we have a b'rita that basically outlines the general practices of the mourner. And for all that we've been talking about, Cholamayid, and, you know, interspersed with Avelut, this daf is really about the practices, the minhagim the and the restrictions and the expectations for the mourner. So, we have here the activities that a mourner cannot do or should not be doing. Tanerah so the the text here really says asur, meaning prohibited to engage in them. What are they? Asur bimlacha. is prohibited from working from washing from anointing with oil um, which was is not such a common practice nowadays but it was then sexual relations sandal, wearing leather shoes now all of these um, these five items here should be very familiar to everybody because are they five? Are they really five? Except this is not really the the um practice of Tisha B'av, right? I mean, it's also the practice of Yom Kippur. But the point is, as a as a sign of Avilut, um, I guess we do malacha on Tisha B'av, but we don't bathe and we don't anoint with oil and we don't have teshuvah mitah. We don't have sexual relations. We don't wear shoes. So it's four plus the malacha. Um. And then it goes on. And we've talked about this leading up until this point, but this braiter kind of consolidates everything and gives us a really nice list here that the mourner is not to read in the Torah or in the books of the prophets or ketuvim, the writings. He should not be learning mishnah of midrash, of halakot, of talmud, of agadot. He should not be learning midrash or halacha or talmud. Whatever that might mean, when the Talmud itself is using the term Talmud, it may simply refer to the kind of learning that Talmud is, meaning not so much the daf learning, but delving in deep and engaging in the shakla Vatariya, the, the, the back and forth of the Gemara, meaning without it actually referring to a specific text, because obviously these texts were not in place yet in the time of Abraita. Uva um, Agadot, you know, the Agadot are, nowadays we mostly would consider them to be Midrash or or stories that kind of thing but if the public needs him meaning if the public needs him to be teaching these kinds of things let's say or to answering questions about these kinds of things then he does not have to hold back from answering or from teaching from doing so and we have an example right a narrative to illustrate exactly this halacha, meaning the specific halacha that he doesn't have to hold back from teaching, you know, in the case that there's a need for it, namely, the son of Rabbi Yossi died, and Rabbi Yossi went to the Beit Midrash, and he taught all day long. Now, this is obviously a very sad story, meaning this is not the natural order of things if the son died pre predeceases the father, and yet the father was of the stature that he's going to be teaching in the Beit Midrash the whole day long. Okay, so... Um, just a word about Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi here is Rabbi ben Chalafta. He was a Tanna. Um, he lives prior to the redaction of the Mishnah, and we've heard of Rabbi We've talked about him, all, you know, often enough. Um, and he was a student, a you know, um, an exceptional student of Rabbi Akiva. And his contemporaries are Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi bar Yochai, the other students we know to people we know to be students of Rabbi Akiva. So these are, these are the big guns, meaning Rabbi Yossi is Atana, you know, par excellence, whose teachings have already punctuated everything we've done on the desk. So now the Gevara goes on. Rabba Barbar Khanna, Yitra Milta. So there was, uh, you know, it's, again, it's this, this um, very delicate, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Idiomatic um, phrasing of what happened. The family. family, you could say death, death, death the family. family, but here it simply says, like, when the thing that happened, or it happened a bad thing, and then we just have to understand that it's a uh, a death in the family. So, this happened to Rabbi Barbar Khanna. he thought, you know, he's not going to go out to give his sheer, his his talk. So, Rabbi Chanina quotes this brighter to him that if the public need, learning, then he doesn't have to refrain from teaching. So then he thought that he's going to bring somebody with him to, to do an interpretation of what he would be saying, right? Rather than he being the one to speak publicly, right? He'll bring somebody along. So, the claim here is that as long as he's not bringing the Matorgaman, somebody who's going to do the translation, then that should be acceptable, right? That there's going to be someone who's going to interpret right? The interpreter here literally it says Amora, which is we think of that as a sage of the Gemara. In this case, it means somebody who's going to, you know, somehow bring the words that the, that the lecturer, that the Tana is going to say and bring it into the vernacular. So it's not exactly te- clear to me what the difference is here in this particular context between the Amora and the Matorgaban? Yeah. There does seem to be a difference. My guess is that one is really a student and one is simply um, a language person. But I could be wrong about that. Um, and so then, and then lastly, the Gemara asks, you know, what's he supposed to do? The Ella the Hefi Avid, meaning... These are all the things that he doesn't have to do. This is a long break that gives you all the list of what the mourner is prohibited from doing. What should he be doing from the time that he hears of the, you know, the calamity that befell him, namely that there's a death in the family? So now we have the story of the son of Rebuhuda Yehuda Bar Eli. It's really distressing to me how many of the Tanayim here have lost children, right? Meaning, presumably not in infancy. But maybe well, I
1: think it shows you what life was like, you know, and very sadly. And you know, the next, the other Rambam has a story about Rabbi Akiva. But I agree with you; the, the, it's particularly jarring on this death.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what happens? He goes. So Rabbi Yehuda Barilai goes into the Beit Midrash, and Vinihnas Rabbi Chananiah ben Akavia Yashav betzido. So Rabbi Chananiah ben Akavia sits next to him. The so Rabbi Yehuda Bar-Elai whispers to Rabbi Hanania Ben-Akaviyah, who's sitting next to him, Rabbi Hanania Ben-Akaviyah, the Torgoman, the Torgoman, he shmiel the Rabbim. So they set up this whole like like um assembly line where Rabbi Yehuda bar gave the shir, He's in a whisper to Rabbi Hanania ben and Rabbi Hanania Ben-Akaviyah whispers it to the Torgoman. And he then says it out loud in the vernacular to the public. And that's how everybody came to know that Rebuted Bar was in Avelu to begin with, meaning because rather than he himself standing up to deliver the, the talk um, with or without a talk about, he's doing this like piecemeal, I don't know, I I guess they, they knew enough to be careful that it wasn't gonna be a broken telephone game. And he, that's what happens, meaning he's rather than teach it directly. I imagine the sense is that on the one hand, give him some private time. And on the other hand, teaching Torah is a joy. So he's, you know, diminishing that by doing what the rabbim need, doing what the congregation needs, but in a lesser way so that it's not, it's not too much. It's not engaging too much in the teaching of Torah.
1: So, uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting thing on this staff, sort of which halachot, like we're getting into a different realm of Avelut, right? Before it was much more all of the things that align with Cholmoyd, right? Cutting your hair, washing your clothes. Uh, but now we're getting into sort of that other piece, which are sort of, I would say, rituals that people take great comfort in or sort of enjoy doing, <laughs> I think most of the time, like teaching or learning Torah, in, greeting people, things like that. And how does that impact Lu, right? And it's clearly not going to be any halachav, any other... Uh, period of time, right? These are, of course, you can do all of this. Well, we don't, you know, most places you don't work. To, in Israel, you don't wear to fill in on Cholomoid. But my point is, it's like a different type of impact of Avelu, right? It's not about sort of what things can you do or not do. Remember, we had the DAP, you know, a few ago, ago of sort of like those nine prohibited um, actions and the three things that you had to do, right? Tearing your clothes, covering your face, but here, it's like, these are sort of the, um, I don't, how would you describe, And you always had a better way with words, sort of like the subtle things that we do religiously, right? The, the subtle rituals.
0: You think these are the subtle things?
1: I, I think they're like, <coughs> in like, other words, like learning Torah or wearing, t- but like, it's interesting to me, they didn't come up on the previous staff. So I'm trying to figure out like why they're here. Now, again, because these are not things, some of this was because, the previous staff was when it was comparing the, avel the the menuda and the mitzora, and these categories obviously don't apply to them. So the question is, what is it about these that really apply more to the avel that we have much more discussion about it? I
0: mean, I think we talk about this often enough in the sense of the afflictions of Yom Kippur or the the mourning of of Tisha B'av that these are you know very. Personal to your body type of things, right? Not wearing shoes, not anointing oil, etc. Meaning, all of these are very, um, not all of them. The first few are very directly affecting the person who's the mourner. The others, you know, this question about teaching Torah or learning Torah, where there's a loophole that the person can get out of it in the case of the need of the tzibor, I think is all of that seems to me to be in there because of what Chazal themselves needed to know for themselves, as opposed to establishing it for for everybody else. Everybody else is included in the the washing issues, right? Tashmisha Shamita. But teaching Torah, that seems to be Chazal to Chazal, and they had a need for it. Rahman al
1: Right, that's true. I'm going to move on uh, to something that comes right afterwards, which is uh, the prohibition of wearing tefillin. So the first three days, a mourner cannot wear tefillin. The first three days of Shiva, but from the third day and including the third day, he can wear tefillin. And if new people arrive, meaning people would not visited this, this person during the first two days of Shiva he doesn't need to remove his tefillin, right? Because the idea would be that you would want people to, this is a little interesting, but that maybe people might mistakenly think that he was wearing tefillin on the first two days. Now, I think most visitors sort of do know what day you're visiting, but it, you know it's interesting that there seems to be that there could be some confusion about this. Dive Rabbi Eliezer, this is what Rabbi Eliezer says. Rabbi Yeshua, Avil Shnei Asur Tefillin, so Rabbi Yeshua says the first two days you don't wear uh, tefillin of Shiva, مِشَيْنِ, uh, uh, مِشَيْنِ, from the second day on mutar and including the second day you can. So that really means you're just not wearing it for one day. So the language of this brace is also a little interesting. Like where it says mishli misheni, like why don't you just say the first day? I don't know why. <coughs> and if new people come, then you actually do need to take your um to fill it off so that uh they they won't uh you know because they may think that maybe it was actually the first day of your Shiva. Okay. So then the Gemara wants to explain how do they get to this. Amar Rav Matna writes where Matna says my time is a Eliezer, And it's a very interesting source the Rabbi Eliezer written. Tihtiv Bayatumi um Moshe. So here they're talking about um, how Moshe was mourned. Moshe Rabanan was mourned when he died, and this is a pasuk from Devarim chapter thirty four, verse eight, that says, "And the days of tearful mourning, right? Yemei bechli, right? Of Moshe were completed. Amar um, and so you know, and then we're going to get to Rabbi Yeshua. We'll talk about this in a second. My time into Rabbi Yeshua. What did Rabbi Yeshua? What's his <coughs> meaning? Dichtiv biyom mar. Um, and so here he's quoting a pasuk in Amos, chapter eight, verse 10, um, which basically says that he, the pasuk is talking about that the first half of the pasuk says that he'll make the, the land will be in mourning as if for a sun and it will end like a bitter day, beomar. So there's only one day. So Rabbi Eliezer is saying two days because it's the pasuk says, right, days, Okay, so that's how he gets to two. Rabbi Yeshua quotes this pasuk in, a, in Amos, which only references a Yomar, which is just one day. And so therefore, each of them, based on these pasukim, Rabbi Lazar says sort of the bitter, intense morning is for two days, based on Moshe Rabbeinu, um, whereas Rabbi Yeshua, interestingly, takes a pasuk from the Nevi'im to say Yomar, just means there's only one day of intense, uh, of intense mourning. Um, I thought this was interesting because, you know, one is a pasuk from Torah, one is a pasuk from Nevi'im, which again, I think, you know, goes to, uh, you know, be that, you know, I, I, I think this is more like they each had their own misora about this. And then they try to find a a, a, a pasuk, uh, you know, that they can sort of to justify how this actually Works now. The Gemara is going to have to explain. Well, what does each one of them do with the other pasuk, right? Rabbi Yeshua nami ha'kiti mu right? So for Rabbi Yeshua, what does he do for that pasuk? he would say to you, shani Moshe Takiv avela, that the mo- the morning for Moshe is different because it was very intense. In other words, for most people, it would just be one day of intense morning, but we're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. So the people had two very intense days of mourning. The Rabbi Eliezer, Nami HaKitei Kiyomar. And what would Rabbi Eliezer do with this Pasuk from Amos? Ikar Merida Chad Yomahi. That the main bitterness is on day one, basically. But still, you know, you would have sort of this intense or the essence of mourning would still be over two days. And then finally, the Gemara once tells, well, how do we actually rule? Right? Amar Ula Halachik Rabbi Eliezer Bechalitza. So Ula says the halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer in terms of removing the tefillin. In other words, once he starts putting tefillin on, he doesn't need to remove them, even if there's new people who come. But the halacha calls Rabbi Yeshua in regards to putting the tefillin on, meaning you can already put it on by day two. And then the Gemara wants to understand this a little bit, right? So what about this day two, right? where Rabbi Yeshua is saying you can put it on, but Rabbi Eliezer is saying that you would need to remove it. Like, what what do you do on that particular uh, day? And so the Gemara says, Toshma, right? Amar, ula maniach afilu so on that second day, what a person would basically do is, he has to keep removing and putting on the tefillin over and over again. So on this day two, which is sort of this in-between day for Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yeshua, um, he, the person would basically you know, put the Tefillin on to fulfill Rabbi Yoshua. But every time a new person would come, would have to take it off to fulfill what Rabbi Eliezer said, um, which seems to be a very peculiar uh, compromise. And then they bring a bracelet in order to support this. Then they bring Rabba, who says, uh, maybe, no, once you take it off, you don't need, you you don't, uh, you don't, sorry, you don't have to remove them at all. Um, But a very interesting discussion also, because I think, In many of the examples that are given here, uh, they don't necessarily, uh, you know, sort of bring psukin. And so I find this idea of sort of the intense mourning period, and it's linked to tefillin, that's the example that they try to bring textual proof to, but we don't see that same sort of approach with some of the other examples here on our desk.
0: Um, Is it unfair if I note that the tefillin is a male thing?
1: Uh, no, not unfair, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> you know, I mean, I,
0: I mean, no disrespect by this, right? Like, we talk often enough about how this is, you know, the language of Chazal is very often the language of the male rabbis. And I, I don't want to knock that, certainly not knocking their authority. But when you're coming to talk about what does, what's the, the you know, the pivotal example of mourning, it's going to be tefillin. And I'm going to say, Okay. Because, you know, uh, I mean, I, I
1: think that's a fair observation. It's a particular viewpoint. And I think also, like, let's be honest, the male experience of Judaism is much more uh, ritual. And not it, is, as much it foreign, is sort of these outsourced rituals. So, you know, you're stripping that away during an intense period of mourning. Women are not afforded. I mean, there's no discussion of women. And one could even argue the discussion about Hat Torah. Is also a male experience, right? Because, but not I, anymore. I guess not anymore. That's with, true. But, 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 but my point it is, is, it, is, when the Gamora is when the is writing about it, it's a correct. male experience. I know. Yes, that's my is. point. That's my point. Wow, I think we injected some misogyny <laughs> that I didn't expect when I first read this stuff.
0: Because it's because that's <sighs> a, right. It's so so normative and we and we don't stop to think about it because of course right and i and i mean that sincerely right of course these are the symbols of mourning right except for that then i you know when the women also have all the obligations of mourning it's just that they look without the
1: outward without the outward symbolism well that's our death discussion for the day rank us review us on all major podcasts thank you to revenue michelle farber for hosting us on the Hadron website Let us know what you thought about this stuff on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.